Welcome to our weekly three-minute therapy podcast. I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein. I'm a practitioner of rational emotive behavior therapy. I'm here with uh, a whole gang of people, which is very nice. I'm here with Nick Berry, my partner in these podcasts and my co-author of Stage Fright. And I'm here, as usual, with Chris Rossini, our tech engineer. And we have a special guest today, Charnel Widnell. And Charnel works with autism. And we're going to learn about how uh, we're going to learn something about autism and also how you can uh, use REBT, if possible, with autism. So I'm looking forward to this. Mick, did you want to add anything? No, that's fine. Okay, and Charnel, did you want to say more about yourself? Um, no. You, you said you had a master's in rehab? Yeah. I rehab and mental health counseling yeah, uh, from USF. Okay. And okay. Uh, yeah, I, I have a private practice here in Tampa, licensed mental health counselor. And I work exclusively with autistic adults and a handful of teens. Um, or people who are recognizing that they're having autistic experiences. Uh, uh. And kind of want, want to learn more about that and what that means. Good. Yeah. And Rick, did you want to say more about yourself or rational emotive behavior therapy? I've just been practicing RABT for several years because I'm an errant screwball, the worst sort, and I try to improve. Uh, yeah, great, great. Another way to put it is we're all imperfect humans who act, think, emote, and behave imperfectly. So uh, Charnel, let's uh, start by learning more about autism. Could you tell us uh, some of the main features of autism? And I believe there's a continuum also. Uh, yeah, I, I will uh, do my best. Uh, I have the type of brain where a lot of ideas kind of flood and come up and uh, uh, sometimes um, finding the words um, can be uh, challenging, but I'll do my best to um, kind of speak to the autistic experience. Um, I want to start by saying that there are many ways uh, that autism may be, uh, or an autistic person may be, just like there are many ways that a non-autistic may be, uh, there are many ways that an autistic may be. Um, and uh, I practice as a, a neurodiversity affirming therapist, which means that I view different brain styles through the lens of um, uh, neurodiversity and that one way of brain style uh, is not inherently better than another. Um, no doubt in this world, uh, our culture and our environments are more aligned with the non-autistic brain style. So when you are autistic, life can be very difficult, um, but it's not due to something inherently being wrong with the autistic individual um, or nothing's broken, nothing's missing, uh, just um, differences. And so um, uh, some of uh, these, you know, I can speak to some of the differences um, and I, I want to, again, say that as I speak, I will um, I will not be able to reflect all autistic experiences as uh, I am not so 
knowing, um, but I um, I have the awareness that again, there are many different ways to be autistic. And so I'll just touch on some of the, like the commonalities. I want to first point to, um, there's an infographic that um, people can find on Matt Lowry's website. Um, it's mattlowrylpp.com. And um, he is a therapist that's done a lot of advocacy and um, increased awareness about autistic experiences. And he has a um, kind of infographic that speaks to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine different aspects of the autistic experience. Um, and so in kind of brief, uh, you're going to find differences in um, uh, sensory experiences. So the autistic individual will um, kind of take in uh, much more information through their sensory systems and um, uh, filter that information differently than a non-autistic. And I could use the word holistic to speak to um, or, or to describe people who are not autistic. That's a word that um, is kind of used, holistic, to describe people who are not autistic. Um, so sensory system differences. So that's why you might see autistics who are saying it's too loud, um, who are, uh, you know, covering their eyes, who don't want to go outside when it's so bright outside or go into the grocery stores when um, the lighting is uh, different or too bright. Um, also with smells, smells uh, yeah. a feature is being very sensitive to smells. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any others that you want to recognize? Uh, well, actually, that reminds me of an, a different diagnosis called the highly sensitive person. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I am. So there, I imagine there, those overlap. Is that correct? There, there is a, there's an overlap. And I think that because the word autism has historically been perceived as one specific way of being, uh, that others who may experience similar uh ways of being but do not fit into the young you know boy who is uh you know playing with trains um people have come up with different terms to describe their experience because they haven't fit in with that stereotypical oh. image oh. of of autism um but because of um uh really the internet the neurodiversity movement there's a lot more information out there and people are able to recognize that um, there are different ways of being autistic. And um, so many uh, people who are HSP are now identifying as uh, autistic. Yeah, Mick? Yeah, I have a question, uh, Charnel. There's a lot more information available. But one of the problems I've found with the internet is there's a lot of lousy information available. So how does somebody determine what the good information is from the bad information? Because it's great that there's more information available, but I'm, is there also a lot of bad information available about autism? Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that um, the, the good information is, is often coming from the autistics. Um, so um, there's more and more of a presence from the autistic community online. Um, that is speaking directly to their experience. And that is um, uh, uh, valid and awesome information out there. So, so yeah, there, I mean, just like any topic, but there's, trim, trim, autistics are 
um, great, often great writers. They're great um, researchers. Uh, that's it's part of the experience often. And so there, there's a lot of tremendous information um, that I can point um, you to also uh, to learn more about this experience. Um, it, it might come as a surprise to you, um, but I have recently identified and received a formal diagnosis of um, autism myself. Um, it uh, was something I had suspected for some time, um, but uh, I, the reason I share that is one is I, I do have lived experience with this, but also, uh, uh, which is which is important when speaking of the autistic experience, but also just that indeed it can present in many different ways. So you are speaking not only from your knowledge, but from your personal experience. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and Charnel is another feature or characteristic of autism, tend, the tendency to take words and expressions literally? Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, sometimes not understanding if something is a joke or not, um, right? Uh, not understanding uh, the the full uh, context, um, right? I, I find myself saying uh, a lot, are you serious? Are you joking? Um, not always uh, getting um, the intent of somebody. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure that um, Mick. Yeah, I have that problem with Michael Edelstein. I can't always tell when his jokes are jokes. <laughs> Yeah, and I ask people, when I tell people that was a joke, I ask them to say, ha ha, <laughs> just to complete the circle. Um, I was going to ask you something else, Chanel, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know when I think of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, oh, yes, so, I remember. Yeah. Why, why don't we get to, uh, since we're on Zoom, so we have limited time, why don't we get to the how you use REBT, rational emotive behavior therapy, with with your autistic uh, clients? Okay, so uh, Michael, I I I, uh, I want to say that I don't use uh, REBT currently in my um, practice, uh, mm -hmm. but I was reading uh, your book. Yeah. Uh, again. And so I kind of went through and um, and it was actually I'm really glad that I was inspired to read it again because um, uh, it's it's good stuff. Um, and uh, so I took kind of some notes about what kind of what came up for me that was inspired from your writing uh, in relationship to the work that I do. Um, oh, but I might suggest that because this is an REBT podcast that, you know, we can, I can throw this back to you and ask, uh, you know, as I bring up information or, or kind of situations or context, you, you probably, no doubt you're already working with autistics um, or you have a lot of experience doing it, even if they didn't identify as autistic or you didn't know they were autistic. Uh, it's a common experience. So, mm -hmm. yeah. It well, with a lot of these diagnoses, I remember with ADD, for example, everyone was ADD for a while, or everyone was bipolar for a while. Is it overdiagnosed, do you think? Uh, I don't consider it a uh, diagnosis in that there's not a disorder. Um, uh, it's, uh, I, I don't think it's possible, you know, I don't know what that would mean to, to overdiagnose as if there's too much of it. Uh, I think that there are many autistics uh, in this world and I and and there have been, uh, you know, uh, we can't document for how long, 
but if we look back at what's the wonderful, uh, you know, brilliant minds that helped move things forward in our uh, in time, there were many um, minds that certainly um, uh, meet the the uh, some of the criteria at least for for being autistic. So. Um, is there an increased awareness of the autistic experience because of um, uh, the community really um, taking more and more action, speaking for themselves and connecting mostly through the internet? Yes. So I think increased awareness is helping oh, people identify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going to say some things about REBT and autism from reading Three Minute Therapy? Yeah. So um, uh, I want to say that I think, and I actually have referred some of my own clients to an RBT therapist um, here in uh, uh, Tampa when I recognized that this uh, approach would be uh, better suited for them. Uh, because I, I think that for, uh, first of all, what I noticed about your reading um, came up when uh, the chapter about um, uh, worrying um, is the way REBT can break down uh, and help understand emotions and how they're connected to our, our thoughts is, uh, I think, probably very uh, helpful for some yeah. individuals. And the structure that it offers uh, is probably very soothing. Um, something that uh, uh, really comes up a lot, though, and, and I'm curious of your, your thoughts on this, is that oftentimes an autistic's uh, needs um, are not similar to holistic needs um, or people non-autistics needs. And so um, growing up, the autistic will be told to kind of ignore or dismiss their own needs, uh, uh, learning that they're not really um, that that they they're they're not important there, they don't matter. Um, and so uh, when one dismisses their needs for too long, uh, what can kind of come up is, uh, well, of course, depression and anxiety and, and what we call autistic burnout. And in REBT terms, by needs, you're referring to both preferences and dire necessities in people's mind. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And, and so I actually think that part of my work when they come to me is to help them to identify um, and validate uh, what their 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 needs are, and 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 use your words again, Michael. But um, that that I want I want those to be kind of uh, uncovered, um, so that they can then uh, be met. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Um, yeah. So you yeah. help people get in touch with their preferences and uh, help them set an action plan to uh, achieve them. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Mick? Yeah, I've taught, uh, I have one student I've taught for over 10 years. I'm a drummer and I have private drum students. And he is, I was told initially he was autistic when he was about seven. And I found, I would go over REBT principles with him, which I do with all the kids when they're yeah. performing. Now he had stage fright much more acutely than others. He doesn't like being around a lot of people. I don't know if you mentioned that, but it seems to me that can be a characteristic of somebody that's mm -hmm. autistic. And yeah. I would mention REBT ideas to him and they would be helpful to him. 
And I have now this is just one individual, okay? But I have found in teaching him and talking to him and knowing him as a friend to when it's appropriate to he's got a problem and REBT would be helpful. I mentioned it to him and I treat him pretty much like anybody else, though I am aware that it can require some extra patience on my part. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do want to, uh, yeah, just confirm crowds can be um, a tough uh, sensory experience of that also, but often music is a motivator to deal with crowds. So people who love music will go to the concerts um, uh, because- oh, really? Yeah. yeah, in his case, it was a it was a performing. He was performing, uh, yeah, so, and yeah. he was very nervous about not playing well, which a lot of the kids can be. Yes, yes. Uh, so now, in your experience, not only with artistically labeled individuals, but yeah. people in general and and yeah. others, uh, do you notice autistic individuals tend to have more demands, must, should, supposed tos, and have tos, which means more anxiety, yeah. depression and anger so i think this is a topic that um could really be we could deep dive into and i have some curiosity with that um but i would say that it's actually the opposite that they have been forced to um to ignore uh their bodies and their minds needs uh and because of that they have depression, anxiety, um, uh, and uh, autistic burnout and high rates of suicide ideation. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I don't know if, if that makes sense, but uh, the, the when, so uh, their, their bodies are taking in information that are alerting their, you know, their brain that this environment is not safe. And so um, it's, there, the uh, a lot of the work is actually looking at the practical problem, and I I kind of highlighted this on on page twenty nine in your book where you talk about discerning between the practical problem and the emotional problem. Yeah, the problem separation and, technique. Okay, and and I actually spend a lot of time on the practical problem and helping to brainstorm accommodations, modifications, validating that yes, it is important that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, X, Y, Z happens, um, that is impacting your sense of safety in your body. Um, and, and then I find that the, what happens is the emotional problem is, uh, is relieved, um, when the practical problem can be dealt with. And so I just thought that was an interesting, you know, kind of concept that, you know, is interesting because in your book, you said it was the opposite with your clients. So, um, yeah. Yeah, well, be, and I think the reason for that is that uh, with my clients, I'm teaching them a method of REBT, so it's important to get to the emotional problem and help them with that, and that's the uh, their uh, irrational beliefs. Right, so, and that's your work. So similar yeah. things don't come up in the future. Well, mm -hmm. we don't have that much more time. Uh, Charnel, is one is there one last important message you'd like to give our viewers about? autism. Uh, you had mentioned that if someone has further interests, they can go to mattlowrympp.com. Yeah, uh, mattlowrylpp.com. Uh, yeah, lpp. 
he has um, an infographic. I can kind of uh, can see that right there. That's the infographic that you want to be looking at. That's uh -huh, uh -huh. interesting stuff. Um, do you have a lot of therapists that are that listen to this? Or uh, I think we have. What is it, Chris? About a hundred people or something? A hundred viewers, I think, okay. for each one. I don't know, but the answer is I don't know who they are. Okay. If the, <laughs> if there are any therapists, um, uh, th there's a Facebook group, Neurodiversity Affirming or Affirmative Therapists. Uh, thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of members. It is an amazing uh, resource. Um, mm -hmm. And I also have some books that I brought together. It, I don't know if I could flash them. If anybody. Oh, why don't you do this? Why don't you send us, email us any further information about okay. this, including Matt Lowry's uh, website, and uh, I'll ask Chris uh, to put it below here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well, thank you very much for an enlightening 30 minutes. I appreciate that. Thanks, Mick, for joining us, Chris, for engineering the technology, and I'm Dr. Michael Edelstein, and I have actually have an international uh, practice now with Zoom, FaceTime, and Skype. And uh, comment below if you have questions for Charnel, and we'll relay those to her. Give us a like, a thumbs up if you felt this was valuable. Suggest subjects for future Three Minute Therapy podcasts and volunteer as Chanel courageously has. She survived, it looks like. And uh, to be on a guest, if you'd like to, donate to Patreon to support us and subscribe to the Three Minute Therapy Podcast to stay on the rational side of life.